0: The world is changing, technology is advancing at an unprecedented rate, and new frontiers are opening up every day. One of the most exciting of these frontiers is the metaverse. It's a term that's been buzzing around in tech circles for a while now, but what exactly is it? And what does it mean for the future of our geospatial industry? I'm Adam Simmons of Project Geospatial, and in this segment, that's what we seek to find out as we take a look at what one company is doing as they fully immerse themselves in this new way of interacting with data. So let's dive right in. To help us understand what the metaverse is, we have Josh Weiner, Senior Director of Global Sales with Maxar, and Sydney Cortez, Project
1: Manager on Strategic Partners at Maxar. So what is the metaverse to me, and, and what does it really mean to Maxar from a geospatial perspective? I, I like to look at the metaverse, or really spell the metaverse, first of all, with a lowercase m. It's not a single entity that is to be defined, uh, but it is really a virtual world or virtual worlds that are a interoperable environment that people and things can come and interact with each other in. At Maxar, we're excited to be able to provide the geospatial foundation for a realistic base map in 3D that the metaverse can leverage and that we can interact with in that metaverse.
2: I think of the metaverse as a shared, immersive, dynamic, persistent uh, 3D space where people can connect, learn, shop, and more. Um, What Maxar brings to the table is that geospatial 3D foundation um, for it, and we have the two product offerings with Precision 3D and Sun3D. To expand on that a little bit more, though, uh, because that was a pretty generic definition, Uh, You know, I think some of the key elements of the metaverse are going to be interoperability, right? Because uh, by the strictest kind of definition of metaverse, it's, you know, one metaverse to rule them all. And I think that in reality, uh, you know, what we're going to see is what I'm seeing others refer to as kind of a multiverse of metaverses uh, where we need to be able to kind of bounce around and play around much like we do on the internet. Um, But in a 3D kind of immersive experience.
0: As we're traveling along this path to discover what the metaverse is, we're also realizing that we need to define concepts such as, what is a digital twin? What is it as it relates to the metaverse? And what is it as it relates to traditional forms of
1: 3D visualization? So the term digital twin, I, I do think it's different than the metaverse. It's not really synonymous A digital twin is something that I envision interacting with or or really residing within a metaverse or the metaverse. A digital twin, to me, really is that third dimension um, of development. If you think about how humans have been interacting with representations of objects or even our planet for centuries in the form of blueprints or architectural plans or maps... It's always been that that second dimension. Fast forward to really the, the turn of the, the last century, around the year 2000, the shuttle radar topography mission was launched where we started to map the world in 3D, but it was at a coarse resolution, right? 30 meters per pixel. So we had that global scale, but we didn't have the resolution of what you would consider a twin, certainly not an identical twin. So to me, the digital twin is when you can combine the global scale and the resolution where something really does look exactly the way it does on Earth. From a geospatial perspective, of course, we're talking about a 3D map. Um, At Maxar, we are excited to provide that 3D data with both the resolution and the global scalability to enable you to go anywhere in a virtual world, in a metaverse, and interact with the world as a twin,
2: as a digital twin. Yeah, I think conceptually the metaverse, you know, 3D representation being the term, you know, 10, 20 years ago uh, for that, um, what we're looking at now, I think that it is kind of beyond that because uh, even today for the, the general kind of user, 3D visualization is just that. Uh, it's something that you look at you may kind of pan and tilt and whirl around Um, but to me the real key and that next step is actually immersing yourself in that environment and being able to experience like what that 3D um, you know kind of feels like and and the what's lacking in 3D visualization right is that um, is that feeling of like i can look up here i can you know kind of sense here uh and so that to me is really the next piece is that immersiveness the interactiveness um and and the ability to to interact with it you know we're seeing this in gaming um because i i think that you know some of those uh world building games could arguably be defined as metaverses um But we want to bring this to uh, our industry uh, a little bit more. Um, You know, we're seeing great strides in entertainment, um, but we want to kind of pull it out beyond that.
0: So now that we've loosely defined what the metaverse is, or at least as it applies to the geospatial industry, let's figure out what those use cases are. How does our industry use the metaverse? How does it take advantage of it from a business case? Let's explore what Maxar is doing
1: there. As far as use cases go, at Maxar and within our industry, there are a lot of different use cases for how a digital twin um, is used in a metaverse environment. Uh, The use cases span consumer applications, enterprise or commercial use cases, uh, non-government or GDO applications, and of course, government use cases, which perhaps are the most apparent. Uh, From a consumer perspective i'm an avid outdoorsman i like to mountain bike and i like to ski and i like to track a lot of these type of adventures and experiences um, in a map and with the third dimension added to these maps as we're starting to see with really the biggest mapping platforms out there as far as adventure tracking goes companies like strava and trail forks these maps are now available in 3d where you can route plan more effectively you can understand slope angles if you're skiing in the backcountry. You can understand how challenging a climb might be on your bike. And it's often that these, these consumer needs and these consumer opportunities are driving a lot of the enterprise and even the government innovation. From an enterprise perspective, we're seeing a interesting um, coordination of timing where just as the five generation or 5G networks are being rolled out from a telco perspective, just as vehicles are moving into an autonomous state, whether it's uh, cars or drones or or even airplanes. We're also seeing the enabling technology of digital twins come on board at the same time. And it's tough to say if it's a chicken or egg scenario, uh, because we're also seeing other hardware and tech enablers come on at the same time. Things like cloud storage and compute, uh, you know, GPU processing capabilities that enable us to view virtual worlds at really high resolution, at really fast frame rates, and within virtual environments that make them feel real. All of this coming together creates these, these great opportunities for enterprise, for government, for GDOs, to make better decisions and to create more immersive experiences on that kind of enterprise front i mentioned telecommunication 5g rollouts with 2g 3g 4g networks lte networks the need for these really high resolution 3d models wasn't wasn't there as much Uh, the way a signal propagates if if it's a 3g or a 4g network is very different than the way this next generation 5G network propagates. 5G is a much higher frequency bandwidth that even things like your hand or a tree or a building would certainly interfere with. So using high resolution 3D models that are not only high resolution but that are current and that represent the state of the earth today enable telco operators to plan antenna rollouts and plan their network development much more efficiently. Um, On the automotive front or on the navigation front, uh, vehicles being able to triangulate where they are, so using those onboard sensors, whether it's LIDAR or radar or visual cameras, and triangulate against a 3D map so that that vehicle knows where it is in the physical environment at any time is a huge enabling capability for for autonomy. Uh, We have drone partners that we work with that do similar things where they're able to plan drone routes more efficiently and, and even in some uh, aeronautical examples where we've worked with the Griffin fighter jets, where they can leverage a 3D map in the use of what's called virtual positioning systems, um, which is something that's used in a GPS denied environment. So if a fighter jet does not have access to a GPS signal for whatever reason, it can actually Geolocate itself by looking at the ground in front of it and localizing that to a 3D map on board. It's a really exciting technology that we've been able to prove out. That is enabled by geospatial digital twins that that have the resolution and the currency and the global coverage to enable this type of thing to happen anywhere in the world.
2: For our industry, I do see uh, in the immediate future, you know, real. Um, real. Uh virtuality, uh virtual reality and augmented reality use cases. Uh, you know, for the in the case of augmented reality, that uh accuracy and geospecificity is necessary. Um, and that can be, you know, in terms of like a 5G or you know, next gen telco rollouts. Uh on the government contracting side, that could be, you know, kind of planning missions and you know, you need to know where things are at and, and it needs to be correct. On the virtual reality side, you know, we're looking at you want to have that 3D representation of the world, you know, both sides of the house. But I think that on the VR side, you know, we have the ability to be more creative with it uh, and to play with it. Um, functionally speaking, on the commercial side, I'm actually really looking forward to um, the, the educational opportunities um, because uh, you know one of the things that the internet brought to the world was access to more information and I think that having that 3d immersive you know uh, virtual and or augmented reality and beyond um, you know will will open up doors even more and we learn our best when we're immersed in something so that's the, the aspect of this that uh, I'm really fascinated by
1: from a government perspective there are a lot of use cases for interacting with 3D data in a digital twin or metaverse scenario. Today, Maxar contributes to the One World to program by providing an immersive training environment with our precision 3D data. Of course, it's the government, they have an acronym for this, they call it GEMS, which means gaming, exercising, modeling, and simulation. And so, as with a lot of technologies, The government actually can be a a very leading indicator of where things are going. The same way the government enabled GPS technology, and now we all carry multiple GPS devices on us every day, whether on our wrist or in our pocket, we're seeing the same thing with 3D. So our government partners that we work with are, are some of our biggest innovators in leveraging 3D data in their decision making, whether it's mission planning, whether it's simulating different environments or experiences, and they're using a lot of those same gaming engines that I mentioned previously. So we've worked to define what the
0: metaverse is. We've worked to understand what it means to the geospatial industry. But what does Maxar have in terms of products and services connected to the metaverse?
1: Yeah, so I mentioned that Maxar has a suite of 3D products starting with these stereo pair created digital elevation models, and then our partnership to create this precision 3D product that Maxar now brings to market. Our most recent 3D product is called Synth3D, and this is a product that is built in partnership with Blackshark.ai, a Graz Austria company. And we, we entered into a partnership with Black Shark uh, last year in 2022. And in, in that time since then, we have launched the Synth3D product. Now, Synth3D is unique in that it creates a geotypical representation of the world. And so what does geotypical mean? It's kind of a new term in our industry. Geotypical means that what you're looking at is representative of what the world actually looks like in that area. So it is leveraging actual building footprints or building roof prints, and then extracting those buildings in 3D based on typical building heights in that area. And so what that means is you won't see a 50-story bungalow in in a rural area. You won't see, you know, 100-story skyscrapers in suburban America. Um, And you won't see You know, the opposite. In these central business districts in downtown San Francisco, you're not going to see these, you know, residential type single family homes. And so the technology that Black Shark has developed is taking our Maxar's Vivid base map, which is a high resolution global scale base map, and the ability to extract that in 3D globally, really targeting simulation, media, entertainment. In gaming type applications where you may not need the exact building height and you may not need the exact building facade as it appears when you're walking through the streets but you need something that is very performant that has that global scalability and that is really optimized for gaming engines
2: so uh you know syn 3d is a visually pleasing high, highly performant uh geotypical 3d uh, replica of the world Uh, You know, by geotypical, I mean that the building features and heights are representative for a given area with the end result being that, uh, you know, for that environment, it should look and feel real enough. Uh, So I want to draw that distinction between uh, geospecific and geotypical. Uh, When we talk about geospecific, you know, I'm talking about like the heights are accurate The building uh, facades are representative of like what the real world is Uh, for Syn3D geotypical heights uh, and geotypical facades uh, based on regional archetypes. How users can uh, experience Syn3D is in multiple ways. Uh, So from a you know kind of streaming and software side, we offer uh, a software development kit. Um, and uh, an Unreal plugin. Uh, other plugins and other uh, ways to interact with other environments are in the works. Um, you know, and if someone doesn't have means to, you know, use like the SDK or Unreal plugin, we do offer export file formats in uh, USD, uh, OBJ, FBX, uh, and GLTF formats today. With 3D tiles on the roadmap. Um, so outputs that you know our customers are, are seeing. Uh, so for example, we're working with a couple of uh, energy companies on on their permitting process uh, right now, and they're actually using uh, the Unreal plugin, you know, so kind of that immersive environment um, to visualize like where uh, where um, like power stations and uh, transmissions um, uh, towers and other. You know kind of equipment would reside so that they can provide that that feel of like where is this in in you know kind of the world so to speak how does that relate to your neighborhood and so that when they're presenting to you know these committees that that they can not only speak to it and show images right they can actually fly through this environment so that people can see that that would mean in eventually the real world.
0: So far in our exploration of the metaverse, we've seen how this exciting new technology has the potential to revolutionize the way we do business. We've seen how companies are leveraging the power of the metaverse to improve collaboration, enhance our daily workflows, and unlock new opportunities for growth. But despite this focus on the business applications of the metaverse, it's important to remember that this technology has the power
1: to help people directly. We were fortunate enough to have Jane Goodall of the Jane Goodall Institute visit us at our headquarters here in Colorado. And she gave a incredibly inspiring presentation as she always does. And one of her stories that she gave was of a village that she worked with. And the example that she gave was a village leader who had to make a really difficult decision of should we commence in deforestation for short-term economic gain because it's an opportunity and of course we have to feed our villagers or should we take the conservation route and try to pursue more of a long-term economic and social and environmental of course um, gain by conserving this forest and by, by not pursuing deforestation and It's a tough decision for someone in that scenario to make when you have that short-term economic gain on the one hand and really an unknown future on the other hand. And what the the institute was able to do was to, leveraging Maxar's 3D data, create a virtual environment where this village leader who had to make this decision could go in and could actually see what their village would look like if they took that shorter-term deforestation route. And when you can actually see the impacts in 3D, in an immersive experience, whether it's an augmented reality or a virtual reality, or, or even something you know on a flat screen, but in 3D, it provides a really immersive experience and much better information in helping you make that decision. As we near the end of our journey into the metaverse,
0: we shall reflect on the theme of inspiration. To create, to innovate, and to push the boundaries of what's possible.
1: Maxar is constantly innovating, constantly building new products, constantly building and launching new satellites. A key cornerstone of that innovation is building out the world in 3D. The new use cases and opportunities that a global scale, high resolution, current 3D digital twin bring are huge. And and really we don't even have a perspective of all the different use cases that are enabled by it today and we're excited we're really excited about the path ahead and seeing how our partners whether it's gaming partners or enterprise government ngos how they will enable and how they will interact with our 3d models in these digital twins that are coming to market the the future is bright for 3d without a doubt it's the it's the world that we live in, in the world that we interact with, and we're excited to, to build these immersive experiences in the virtual world as well.
2: I think uh, the most fun thing about building 3D World, you know, both when I was on the Precision 3D team and now that I've worked on Sim 3D, is uh, an appreciation for just how complex uh, global terrain uh, and our building features are. Uh, and so getting to explore that every day uh, in, in one form or fashion has been such an adventure. Uh, I'm very passionate because I feel like we are in the, the, the beginning phases. Not everyone's using 3D yet. We see that as the next field and there's so much unknown and so much to learn. Um, so I'm, I'm so happy I'm right here in this place at this moment. As we've seen from our discussions,
0: the concept of the metaverse has expanded far beyond the stereotype of VR headsets and gaming. It has tremendous applications to enhance and create positive change in the world around us. I would like to thank Maxar's Josh Weiner and Sidney Cortez for joining us in uncovering the metaverse and helping us learn how Maxar is playing a big role in making geospatial technology an immersive experience. I'm Adam Simmons with Project Geospatial. Talk to you next time.